Hallelujah. The presence of the Lord is in this place. I believe God wants to speak to somebody's heart, somebody's mind today. Amen. How many of you came here hungry for a touch from God? Amen. The good news is we don't have to leave here hungry. Amen. We can leave here with our souls filled with the Word of God. Amen. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship. We're going to go to the Word of the Lord today. I'm going to read to you from the book of Haggai. Amen. If you don't know where Haggai is, it is right between the book of Zephaniah and Zechariah. Right there. So, you're welcome. Amen. If you have your phone, dial up Haggai on your version phone. But uh, the book of Haggai is a small two-chapter book tucked away in the Old Testament. As I begin to pray... Uh, for what to speak about, the Lord brought me to this, and um, I won't call it a part B, but it's, it's very much in the vein of what the Lord uh, gave me to preach about here Wednesday night, and um, I, I believe that God is calling to us, God is talking to us, God is, is reaching for His church to be the church, amen? And I believe God has a word for somebody today. Haggai chapter number one. I'm going to give uh, Brother Tommy a minute to get there. I want to say it's good to have Starla with us today. She's here visiting. I know Sister Willie Earl is very happy. It's good to have uh, Mac and Lauren's mom, Karen. It's good to have you with us. I see so many guests. I wonder if we could give all of our guests a hand clap. We thank you so much for being here. We pray that you leave here having felt the presence of God. Amen. Haggai chapter one, verse number one. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, In the second year of Darius king, uh, the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophet Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Listen to this. He says, you have sown much and harvested little. Anybody ever feel like that? You're not getting the return in life that you expected. He said, you've sown much. And you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. I know somebody can preach with me on that. <laughs> Amen. I told my wife, we went to Panda Express the other day, and I told her, I feel like I could eat here all day. I never get full. I'm, I'm eating, and I'm not filled. That's not where this message came from, by the way. Um, I just thought of that. <laughs> he said, you eat, but you're not filled. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. So thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. He says, I want you to build my house so that I may be glorified and I can take pleasure. And so today I want to preach to you from this subject that somebody say this. This is the time. This is the time. The Bible says that they said to the Lord that it is not yet time to rebuild 
the house of God. It's not time for that. We're not ready for that. But God comes back to them and says, this, this is the time. This is the time to do what you were put here to do. This is the time to do what you were called to do. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. God is saying to his people through Haggai, now, now is the time. Can we bow our heads and pray? Lord, I ask you to help me to preach your word today. I ask you, God, to anoint it, God, to bless it, God, to help us to respond to your spirit when it moves in this place, and God, to leave here with a renewing of mind and spirit in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to give you a quick backstory on, on what's happening in Haggai, um, and, and, and in order to do so, you have to rewind a little bit to the fourth year of King Solomon, the Bible says, you know, God uh, spoke to Solomon, gave him wisdom, and Solomon builds in, uh, or begins to build in his fourth year of his reign this magnificent temple that uh, would draw the attention of the world. Everything's overlaid in gold, and, and um, it is the envy of all of the nations around it. People uh, came from all over. We, we read of the Queen of Sheba who came to see what Solomon had built. And, and so King Solomon is anointed by God, builds this incredibly beautiful temple. It's a place of healing. It's a place of restoration. It's a place where uh, God uh, hears the prayers of the people. And so uh, the Bible says that he builds this magnificent temple. Then towards the end of his life, Solomon turns towards idolatry. He marries all of these ladies that worship idols, and the Bible says that he turns to idolatry. And as a result, um, the judgment of God comes upon the people of Israel. And the Bible says that in 587 B.C., King Nebuchadnezzar and his army crushes the southern kingdom of Judah, destroying this beautiful temple that Solomon had built. And, and that's not all that happened. Also, at that time, um, they, the Jews were taken captivity. Uh, they were taken into Babylon. And, and we read about it in Jeremiah for a period of 70 years that they would spend in Babylon. And, um, and, and so all this happens in this five to seven decade period. The temple is torn down. The people are taken into captivity. And, and so there they are just awaiting the day that God would release them from their captivity. The Bible says in 538 B.C., about 50,000 people are finally allowed to travel back to Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. And they began to rebuild. They rebuild the walls. And the Bible says that they start to lay the foundation of the temple when opposition arises. Anybody ever done that? You started something? Maybe you started trying to go to church and all of a sudden all kind of stuff started popping up in your life. You started trying to pray every morning and all of a sudden your schedule is, is crazy. Opposition arises when you begin to do the will of God. And so they start rebuilding and they, they build the foundation or at least part of it. And then they build the altar. And along come the Samaritans and begin to oppose them. And when they reach this opposition, uh, they, they put the project on pause. And so here we are in Haggai. It has been 14 years that the project was, has been on hold. There's no progress. There's no prayers. There's no effort. Um, they're, they're not doing what they were sent to Jerusalem to do. God had brought them out of captivity to rebuild his house. But they're not doing it. 
They're saying to God, now is not the time. This is not the time to rebuild. And so um, the, the Bible says instead they turn their attention to their own houses. And, and they're building their own neighborhoods. They're, they're uh, building their own little kingdoms. And God raises up this prophet Haggai to call the people back to task. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 2. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. These people, God doesn't say my people. It's kind of like when your kids are acting up. Not my people. <laughs> These kids are about to drive me crazy. Anybody ever said that? <laughs> These kids are about to make me lose it. <laughs> and God says, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Somewhere along the way, somewhere along the line, the people of God allowed opposition and distraction to bump them off course. They were brought out of captivity to restore Jerusalem. It was their purpose. It was their calling. They were called to restore the temple to its former glory. But along the way, their passion fades, and they just start living life like everybody else, like all the other nations of the world. They're just going through the routines of life. Now, they say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. You can almost hear their justifications. Well, I just don't think we're ready for that. You can hear them. I just... I don't know, God. That costs a lot. I don't know if we can do it. I, well, we would like to, but, you know, the kids, they've got some things going on. There's some Samaritans out there. They're sending letters about us. They're talking bad about us. I, I just don't think we're ready for that. It, it's a lot harder than we thought it was. It's easy for you, preacher, to say, live for God, rebuild the teen kingdom. But, but it's harder than we thought it was. Or, or perhaps we don't even have a nice place to stay while we're working. We don't even have a house to live in. We work on God's temple and we go home to sleep in a tent. And the Bible says that their attention shifts from what God has called them to do. And, and they find themselves at odds with God's plan. What they want is a good and easy life. I want to build my house. I want to make my money. I want to find good success. I want to have good food to eat. Some of you, I want to say thank you. During uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, people gave us some gift cards to restaurants. You could give me no better gift. There's no better gift than to go eat good food and not have to pay for it. <laughs> Thank you. May God richly bless you for that. But this is what Israel wants. They just, they want to have a nice house. They want to have a nice, well, they didn't have cars. They want a nice donkey and cart. They want to go to work and come home and enjoy their kids and look at their nice cedar paneled houses. They're living to build their own kingdom. That's what they want. But what God wants is he says, I want somebody to build my house. I want somebody to restore and to redeem what the enemy stole. I want somebody to redeem what idolatry destroyed. I want somebody to bring healing to the land. I want somebody who will bring hope to human hearts and souls. I want somebody to please, would somebody please pay attention to my house? What about my house? They say now is not the time, but God sends Haggai to say now 
is the time. God is saying, you think it's time to work on you. You think it's time to succeed. It's, it's your little time for you. But God said, I didn't put you on this place at this time. I didn't bring you out of captivity. I didn't set you free from a nation that you could have never escaped from for you to come and build your house and live your life and miss the big picture of what I'm trying to do in this world. They say that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Anybody ever heard that? The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. We planted a tree in our front yard a couple years ago. It doesn't look like it's done anything. I'm waiting for the tree to grow. If I wanted a full-grown magnolia in my front yard, you know when the best time to plant it was, Sister Judy? 20 years ago. But you know what the next best time to plant a tree is? Right now. Because you can't go back and fix what you messed up. You can't go back in time and reverse the decisions that you made. And so God is saying to the people that you should have done this 14 years. You know the best time to build a temple? It was 14 years ago. God is saying, I called you to this and you have avoided it and you have walked around it. But it was 14 years ago was the best time to build a temple. But the next best time is right now. God is saying, you're saying not yet. But I am saying right now. I'm not waiting for you to get it all together. I'm not waiting for for you to figure it all out. I just want somebody to go up to the mountains. I want somebody to cut down some wood. I want them to bring it back down and just start building my house. You don't have to be a pro. You don't have to have it all figured out, but somebody just do it now. My goodness. I better slow down. My goodness. God's people, they didn't get it, but they were blocking their blessings because they had prioritized the wrong things. Oh, man, we're about to wade through some stuff, but God's got something for us here, okay? Now, they were blocking their blessings because they had prioritized the wrong thing. Now, listen, they were taking all the right steps. They thought they were doing everything right to attain their goals. They were trying to reach their five-year goals and plans. But it was all coming to nothing. Listen, Haggai 1.5, now therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. He says, I want you to think about what you've been doing with your life. Y'all didn't know y'all were coming to get a dad's speech today. He says, I want you to think about what you've been doing with your life. He says, consider your ways. You've sown much, but you have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. He says, you earn wages, and you're collecting and piling up money, but when you look in the bag, it's all gone. Anybody ever have that experience when you look at the account and say, whoa, where did all the money go? Join us for financial peace next spring. We'll help you figure it out. This is what God says. He says, you need to consider your ways. God is reading their mail because they are frustrated. They're trying to live a good life, but it's not working. And God tells them, consider your ways. Think about how you've been living. Think about why you're here. Think about where you are. And he says, I want you to think about it. Like, like Dr. Phil says. Y'all didn't know y'all were going to get first Phil one and one did you? How's that working out for you? you never, anybody ever heard Dr. Phil say, how's that working out for you? 
You think you got it all figured out and you think it's all coming to fruition. But when you look at the metrics of your life, the quality of your decisions and of your living is in the outcome. And God is saying, you're putting all of this energy into you. You're putting all this energy into building your life and your kingdom and your world. And what's it gaining you? God says, it's not gaining you anything. Consider your ways, for thus says the Lord of the hosts, go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house, that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. He says, you look for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, he says, I blew it away. So they're praying to God, God, why aren't we blessed? Why isn't it working out for us? And God says, that's me. I'm the one stopping your blessings. I'm the one blocking your blessings. Why would you do that, God? God says, it's it's me. When you came home, he says, I blew it away when you brought it home. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, listen, whenever the Bible says therefore, you need to see what it's there for. He says, therefore, because you're building your house and not my house, therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. He says, you can't even farm like the world farms when you're the people of God living at odds with the plan of God. He says, and I, I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what, ground, on, on what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. God says, I have been actively blocking your blessings, working against your schemes, frustrating your plans because you have been frustrating mine. I know y'all are waiting for me to pat you on the back and say, Jesus, all things work together. All things work together. I'm not here to say that today. I'm here to say the reason you're frustrated with your life is because you're frustrating God's plan. And God will not bless what doesn't come through correct priorities. God is not going to bless your kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things shall be added to you. He doesn't say, "Do you do you and I'm going to help you out. Is that all right if we get real today? God is not in the business of making your life better. He's got a plan. He's got people to redeem. He's got souls to win. He's got lives to change. And as long as you're frustrating God's plan, he's going to frustrate yours. My goodness. God says, I've been blocking your blessings because you've been frustrating my plan. I called you out of captivity for a purpose. And you are living for your own reasons, your own causes, your own purposes. God says, in my kingdom, blessing only flows through proper priorities. If you want to see the blessings of God, get in the business of God. Get in the plan of God. Get involved in what God is doing. If you need blessing on your finances, make your finances available to be a blessing to God. You need blessing on your time make some time to be a blessing to God and watch what God will do now I know I know we love all things are working together for my good you got it on your coffee cup every morning all things I read these things on Facebook people put it out there and remind them remember all things are working together for your good and 700 people like it and love it and heart it and share it And here's what I think is you don't know. You don't know that. 
You're saying that to the general public. God doesn't say it to the general public, all things are working to your good. Listen, we love that slogan. But these were the children of God, and all things were not working together for their good. <laughs> all things work together for the good of them who love him and who are the called according to his purpose. So what God says is there's, when you get plugged into my plan for your life, there is nothing that can stop you. It may seem negative. It may seem bad. But there's nothing that can stand in your way because I will take the bad and I will make it good. I'll take the trouble and I'll make it triumph. I'll take everything that you've been going through and I will use it in the plan for the glory of God. But if not, if not, and you're just having a hard time because you are living for yourself. I know I'm not supposed to preach this hard. The pastor's out of town. He can correct me when I get home or when he gets home. <laughs> but I want to say this. When you make God's house your priority, he makes your house his priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You see, Christians do not have the luxury of placing God's purpose on the back burner. God actively works against those who have elevated their own house over his why. Why? To punish? No, to restore. In Haggai chapter 2, God tells them in verse 17, he says, I struck you and all the products of your toil with blight and with mildew, with hell. Yet you did not turn to me, says the Lord. Do you see what God is saying? He's saying the reason that you're frustrated and you're trying to live this successful, good life and build your own world, and the reason that you're frustrated and you're questioning is because I have been striking it down every time you tried to get ahead so that you would turn to me. And he says, you would not turn to me. You did not turn to me. Did God do it to punish? No. He did it to restore. He did it to call the people back to what they were created for. He was calling people back to their purpose. He was saying, you mean too much to live this little. He was saying, you mean too much to me. I did too much for you. And I brought you out of too much to see you waste your life building a nice little house that blesses nobody. He says, will somebody just please wake up? Will somebody please wake up and realize that there is something more. There is something bigger. There is something greater to live for they allowed their opposition to reduce their vision their difficulty to redefine why they were existing they folded from the work of God and they were building their own little lives and kingdoms and God is screaming from the heavens wake up Israel I have a work for you to do wake up the future depends on you Israel wake up wake up because we are living for a higher purpose we are called for more than just building our own houses just living our own life fulfilling our own plan God isn't interested in supplementing our vision with his power and promise but he has a plan he has a vision he called them out of Babylon for a building project he brought them out for a reason and they were folding their hands and not doing anything about it and God says consider your ways go go to the mountains bring down timber and build my house so that I can take pleasure and so that my name is glorified hear, hear me today they were trafficking in the trivial and they were failing miserably at it they had pressed pause on God's will and they were at odds with who they were and what they were created for and a Christian Understand this, God loves you too much to let you live a meaningless existence with the blessings of God on your life. He loves you too much and he loves this world too much to waste redemption story on people 
that are not interested in plugging in to what God is trying to do. They had a history. Understand this. They had a history. God had brought them out of Babylon. They had a history. They were the generation that was prophesied about for hundreds of years that after 70 years be accomplished. He says, I will bring you again into this place. That I know the thoughts that I think and, I, my, and my plans towards you. And they are not thoughts of evil but thoughts of good. You know that scripture. That's the other one on your coffee mug. That's about these people. It's not even about you. It's about them. And they're just sitting there for 14 years doing nothing with the opportunity. They had a history, but they forgot their future. They were sent to rebuild and restore what captivity had destroyed. And they were standing on the shoulders of people who had survived Babylon. They were the key to another generation's salvation. And so today, there are two things we can't forget. We can't forget how we got here. Yesterday, I was scrolling through Facebook, and my uncle on my mom's side she, uh, he posted as his profile picture my grandmother, Jean Stewart. I'm a Jean Stewart. I hadn't seen a picture of her in a long time, and it caught me off guard. And I thought back that on both sides, I'm blessed. We, we know the story of my family here and how they worked for the kingdom. But over there in Houston, my, my grandparents served on the board of Bethel Church. And they, they were there for years serving the kingdom of God. And it struck me as I was scrolling through the social media and I came face to face. I was reminded that I am here because somebody else gave their life and lived their life for something bigger. And so there are two things we cannot forget. We can't forget how we got here. Somebody paid a price. Jesus paid the price for you and for me to be set free. Jesus gave his life on the cross. But it wasn't just Jesus. There were some people in the church that gave some time and some hours. The padded pews that you're sitting on were put in place and paid for by people who prayed, who sought after God. And so we cannot forget how we got here. This generation was sitting on blessing, sitting on opportunity, and they forgot that God had brought them out. And the other thing we can't forget is that we, we have somewhere that we are going. God did not just bring us here for us to enjoy the benefits and blessings of being free from Babylon. He brought us here to build something, to be a part of something. God was calling them back. That was the message of their frustration and their failure. It was the message of their discontentment that God was using their circumstances to wake them up to the role they had to play in His plan. Let me tell you why. Why does this temple matter so much to God? Why, why does it matter so much to God? I'm only going to preach a few more minutes. Here's why. is the book of Hebrews chapter 9 tells us that these things that happened in the temple, they were a pattern of things in heaven. Hebrews 9, 23 and 24 says that they are a pattern of the heavenlies. They, they, thus it was necessary for the co uh, copies of heavenly things to be purified with these rites. He's saying... That the temple was a picture of heaven on earth. It was an exact replica of what was in heaven, right? And so God saw an earth where what was in heaven was not represented on earth. And God says, I'm not satisfied to leave them with no place of redemption, no place of hope. No place of healing. It's important that people have a place to go where they can get in contact with the presence of God. And so the Bible says that uh, the temple was a 
physical representation of heaven on earth. And so it's, it's so much like uh, we live today. Is there are things that God wills in heaven that we don't see on earth. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Not everybody comes to repentance. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. There are people that will perish that believe in him. We know that from the scripture. Right? He says, many will come to me saying, Lord, Lord, in that day. And I'll say to them, I did not know you. In other words, it's not God's will for it to happen, but it happens. Why? Because heaven is in heaven and earth is on earth. But God says, here's what I want my people to be a part of. I want my people to be a part of bringing heaven down to earth. Jesus, teach us to pray, they said. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray after this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it already is in heaven. This is what God was so interested in. He wanted people to see what heaven was like before they ever entered into eternity. He wanted people to have a piece of heaven right here on the earth. We need to start seeing God's will on earth. Rather than just celebrating that it's spoken in heaven, God wants to see heaven in our families. He wants to see heaven in our church. He wants to see heaven come down in our relationship. He wants people to be redeemed. He wants people to be restored stored, set free, empowered. Ephesians 1.10, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and in earth. What does God want to do? God is saying, I have these people that are living in limbo, stuck. They're failing at what they're trying to do, and they're missing out on what I'm trying to do. And as a result, heaven stays in heaven and earth stays on earth. But he says, I want heaven to come down. I want heaven to come down. And it takes people to bring heaven down. He says, you've got to pray to Elijah. God said it's going to rain. After three years in 1 Kings 18, God said it's going to rain. It's going to rain, Elijah. Go and pray and seek until it rains. And it's already spoken. It's already willed by God. But Elijah went to the mountaintop. And he got down on his knees and he began to pray. God, let it rain. God, let it rain. I know you spoke it. And so God, let the rain, the healing rain, come heal our land. God, let it come restore what was dead. God, let it come bring some stuff back to life again. God, let it become to begin to make things that are brown and gray and cracked green again. Lord, would you come and send rain? And the Bible says that he kept praying. And while he was praying, the heavens were building. And, and, and finally, the Bible says that Gehazi, the servant, went and he ran. And he saw, as it were, a cloud like a man's hand coming up out of the sea. And before he knew it, what was just a little cloud became an outpouring of rain on the earth. Because God wanted what was already spoken in heaven to be seen on the earth. That's why they came out of captivity, to see heaven come down. Not to make a good living, not to have a nice life, but to be a part of redemption story, to build a house of healing and of hope. And so I'm preaching to someone today that is living beneath your purpose and disconnected from God's plan, that you're frustrated and things are falling apart and you don't know why. And I've come to tell you that God says, come back. He says, here's what you do. He says, you go to the mountains. You cut some wood. 
and you bring it and you build my house. Listen to this. I'm, I'm coming to a close. If, if the music would please come. Haggai 1.12 says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet. As the Lord their God had sent them, and the people feared the Lord. What happens when God sends this preacher up into the middle of their little life that's not working out like they thought it would? Is the Bible says that they respond. The leaders respond, and the people respond. And they say, okay, God, we realize that we've been wasting our opportunity here. We've been wasting your grace. We've been wasting all of the blessings of the freedom that you've given us. And listen, then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. All they did is they obeyed the voice of the Lord. They said, God, you're right. You're right. I've been living so far below what you called me to be and what you called me to do. And thus says Haggai with the message of the Lord, I am with you, declares the Lord. All they did was repent. All they did was say, God, I'm so sorry that I've been given my life in all the wrong pursuits. And God says, I am. And with you. When they repent and obey, God doesn't delay to join up. He says, I'm with you. God doesn't hold their past against them. One scripture says it like this. God remembers that we are but flesh. He sees them in their weakest moment. In their failing and fluttering life. He has been blocking their blessings. But when they say, Lord, we're sorry. We want to live for you. Here's what God says. He doesn't delay. He doesn't wait. He doesn't say, well, if you prove it to me for six months, if you prove it to me for a period of time, then I'll come back and I'll restore my blessing. No. God says immediately, Haggai stands up and says, I'm with you, declares the Lord. I'm with you, declares the Lord. I'm with you. Here's what you need to know at the end of this message. It's one day. Somebody say one day. One day can change everything one day listen to Haggai 2 18 and 19 he says consider from this day onward from the 24th day of the ninth month I love this God doesn't leave it to chance or to doubt he's saying I want you to mark it down on your calendar September 24th that was the day that everything changed from this day onward, I will be with you. I'm going to be beside you since the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Consider is a seed yet in the barn. Indeed, the vine, the fig, the pomegranate, and the olive tree have yielded nothing. But you haven't seen it yet. But from this day on, God says everything changes. From this day on, I will bless you. Let me change the date. November 11th, 2018. Everything changed. I was living for little. I was living for less. But when I gave my heart to God, God said, I'm with you. And so it's not going to be like it was. Listen, 
You may not walk home today and have a full bank account, but I'm telling you, if you'll put your heart into what God's doing, and if you'll get a heart for God's house, you'll look back at November 11, 2018, and you'll say, God changed everything that day. God changed everything. I was blocked from blessings living for less, but now I'm a part of what God is doing. And so one day, somebody say one day, changes everything. Stand with me all over this room. When they turned their heart, God wasted no time in joining up. Hear me today. He is the prodigal's father. He just sees a figure in the distance. And the Bible says he comes running. They don't have it all figured out. They don't have it all fixed. They haven't strategized it yet, but he's the prodigal's father. The prodigal's father stood day after day just waiting for the sun to return. And when the sun is seen on the horizon, he doesn't wait. But the Bible says he runs to him. He finds him. He falls on his neck. And he restores him as a son. It was the day that changed everything. November 11th, 2018. Hear me in the closing part of this message. It doesn't matter how far you've strayed. It doesn't matter how selfish you have been. How tangled in the cares and pursuits of life that you've been. How disconnected from who you are in God that you've been. It doesn't matter. Because if you will turn to God, He will run to you. And He will say, mark this day on the calendar. Mark this day on the calendar. That was the day that I restored blessing to your life. That was the day you came back into alignment with my plan. That was the day that heaven started coming down to earth in your life. That was the day that changed your family. That was a day that changed everything for you mark it down put it on the calendar somebody ought to take a pen and paper out today before you leave this room and write down today's date and say today this is the day the time is now that I'm going to live for God does God have something against your nice house and nice car no as long as it's in priority and incorrect placement. But I'm preaching to somebody today. I'm preaching to a church member. I realize this may not be for guests, but I'm preaching to somebody that if you will come into alignment with God's plan and if you will submit your will, everything is going to change for you. God's saying, mark it on your calendars. Put it on your calendars. This is the day that changes everything. I want, I want you to bow your head right, right quick, right quick. I want to talk to another group of people right here. That if you've been far from God and you've been feeling like you need to earn your way back, let me tell you something. All you've got to do is repent today. And God will not delay and he will not waste time. He's not waiting on you to prove yourself. He just wants you to say, yes, I will. And if you will, God will. God says, I'll bless you. I'll keep you. And everything in your life can be different from this day forward. Here's what I want to do. I want to open this altar and I want to ask our church people to come forward. I want to ask people to come forward to renew your heart and your commitment to God. And I also want to ask you to come forward because there's someone in this room that needs to repent, that wants to repent. God's been talking to you in this message and you want to repent of your sins. We're going to come and create an easy opportunity for everybody to come. And so the music's going to begin to play here in just a moment. And we're going to come forward. And God is going to begin to deal with somebody. How many of you want that change? How many of you came here saying, God, I can't keep doing it the way I've been doing it?
I can't keep doing it that way. How many of you have came here and felt that? Just wave your hand at me. God is saying to you, mark this day down. Come to this altar and let's seal it in the spirit that this is the day that changes everything. Now is the time. Heavenly Father, I pray right now over this room. God, that your spirit would begin to minister. God, that your spirit would begin to draw. God, that people would begin to come back into alignment with your plan, with your purpose. God, now is the time. God, we're not waiting. God, we're not waiting now. Is the time. Today is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day that my blessings turn around. This is the day that reverses the curse. This is the day that God has ordained. Now is the time. Come on, as you're coming here, the Lord say, I'm with you. I'm beside you. I'm right here. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and 